Welcome to Base Liberty, your source for politics. The government is way too big, way too intrusive, we are overtaxed. History. The right to self-defense is a natural, God-given right. The founders clearly understood this. Economics. We can't just keep printing off money, we can't just keep borrowing money. If you think this path is sustainable, then I've got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. And more. From a liberty perspective. I've got to disagree with you there. The income tax is clearly immoral because it assumes you don't own the fruit of your labor, the government. With your host, Darren Wisely. Deregulation and decentralization are the answers if we're ever going to get this thing back on track. We need to look to families, churches, and charities, not the state. Welcome to Base Liberty, episode 25. Darren Wisely here, as always, so happy to be with you. It's Friday, October 16th, 2020. And if you've liked the quality of these episodes this week, you can thank Rod Jones III, our new producer, who has been behind the audio editing of all three videos this week. I'll drop his Twitter handle in the description so you can look him up if you want. It's RJ underscore cubed. Oh, I... I get now why it's cubed. I didn't put that together before. guess I'm not a very stable genius. <laughs> but uh, Rod is Development for Young Americans for Liberty down in the great state of Texas and really appreciate having him on the team. We really appreciate your support. Um, we're growing the show, so make sure to leave us a review if you haven't yet. Um, subscribe to the YouTube, subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen. Share this with your friends because it's the only way we're going to be able to spread the truth because y'all know flipping on that television is not going to teach anyone anything or better us at all. So podcasts like what we're doing, trying to get you the real information that people need to know that they're not learning in schools and the media narrative is just not going to disseminate. So with that being said, we have a listener-generated episode today. I've gotten questions about the 25th Amendment, so that's going to be the topic of today's episode, the 25th Amendment and Constitutional Crisis. I'm more than happy to get recommendations for what you guys want to hear about. I mean, this is for you guys, so shoot me an email uh, if there's a topic you'd like me to discuss, and um, if it's something I think I'm at least somewhat knowledgeable in, then uh, then I'll do that for you guys. So don't hesitate. Again, we just appreciate the support. So what is the 25th Amendment? It has to do with an incapacitated president. So I'll give you the text of it. In case of the removal of the president from office or his death or resignation, the vice president shall become president. Section 2. Whenever there is a vacancy in the office of the vice president, the president shall nominate a vice president who shall take office upon confirmation by a majority vote of both houses of Congress. Section 3. Whenever the president transmits to the president pro temper the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives his written declaration that he is unable to discharge the power and duties of his office, and until he transmits to them a written declaration to the contrary, such powers and duties shall be discharged by the vice president as acting president. And then section four says, whenever the vice president and a majority of either the principal officers of the executive departments of such other bodies, Congress may by law provide, transmit to the president pro temp of the Senate and the Speaker of the House of Representatives their written declaration that the president is unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office. The vice president shall immediately assume the powers and duties of the office as acting president. And then the rest of section four 
um, goes on with this 21-day receipt, and I'm going to clarify and explain all that later in this episode. So this question was submitted, I'm sure, because we've seen a lot of discussion recently about the 25th Amendment in the media, on Twitter, places like that. So people just want some clarification on it. Of course, the last thing you want to do when trying to understand something about the Constitution is turn on CNN, MSNBC, any mainstream news. Certainly don't listen to someone like Nancy Pelosi. That's the last place you want to go for for constitutional advice because these people don't know the first thing about the Constitution, about constitutional governance. And, of course, you only see people like this on the left invoke the Constitution when it's convenient for them. I mean, that, but, that, but it cuts both ways, really, when you think about it. I mean, whatever party is in power, the other party starts suddenly caring about the Constitution and trying to use that to kind of claw back some power that they've lost. And then as soon as they're in power, all that goes out the window. They do whatever they want. They run roughshod. And now the other party suddenly starts talking about the Constitution. We saw it with when Bush was president. Then when Obama was president, you know, you had the Tea Party wave. And now Trump's president again. So the Democrats are trying to talk in now about the 25th Amendment. Of course, it was really funny when they were talking about the 10th Amendment. That was something I never thought I'd hear uh, Democrats in modern times bring up. Because they certainly hate federalism and decentralization. So don't listen to these people. And Nancy Pelosi introduced a bill... Um, because she's concerned about Trump's capacity for office, you know. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the fact that she's third in line for the presidency. I mean, it, it's really just that she cares so much um, about the United States. And Trump on Rush Limbaugh called her crazy. Uh, that was pretty funny. But you have more of the Democrats piling on with this. Of course, Maxine Waters. And we all know what it is. They just hate Trump and want him out of power. Talking about his tweets show that he's unfit for off. Show that his tweets show kind of some kind of mental decline. I mean, oh, he's sending weird tweets. Well, uh, if you checked, he's been sending weird tweets long before he was ever president. Uh, it's very transparent what they're trying to do. There's no real case. I mean, oh, he's taking this medication for COVID. I mean, come on. So they're just trying to use this as a way to get their arch nemesis out of power. But it is really relevant because a lot of people don't know what is the 25th Amendment, so we're going to break it down today and talk about the history and, and what it really means and how it could be put into effect. Because, you know, it is really relevant. I mean, you, you we do have one of the two people who's going to be pres president in 2021 is going to be an old fart. I mean, for real. I mean, President Trump is the oldest person ever to be elected president. And he's the second ever to hold office as president. Ronald Reagan was the oldest at 77 when he finished out his second term. But if if Trump won, he would be, you know, 77, 78 um, at the end of that second term. Now, there's nothing showing a mental decline on, on Trump's part. I mean, he's sharp as a tack for his age. I'm, I mean, it's pretty impressive, you know, regardless of what you think about him or his policies. His, how sharp he is uh, being in his 70s is is very impressive. I mean, he's one of the only, I noticed this in the debate. I mean, it seems like he hasn't even aged since being president. You know, you look at Obama or Bush or Clinton. I mean, how much they age in those eight years. I know it's only been four for Trump, but I mean, his tan looks better now than it did then. I mean, maybe they're using a different spray product. It's not quite as orange, but you know, there's nothing showing cognitive decline on his behalf. I mean, all his quirkiness has just always been there.
But that's not to say, you know, four more years, a lot can happen getting into the upper 70s. But with Biden, I mean, he's 77 now. He clearly, clearly has mental decline. I mean, the guy doesn't know where he is half the time. He's just a walking train wreck. Now, I'm not going to diagnose him. I'm not qualified to do that. But uh, any person off the street that's being honest can can spend two minutes listening to him and say, something's off with this dude. So in either case, this 25th Amendment is irrelevant. I mean, if Biden wins this election, there's no way on earth he fills out, finishes out two terms. I mean, if he finished out four years of one term, that would be a miracle. It really would. So this really does matter. This isn't just some kind of academic debate. It matters for the future, at least, not for right now. And it really would put us in a constitutional crisis. A constitutional crisis is defined as a political problem that uh, a government's constitution or governing document is perceived to be unable to resolve. So in Michigan, you could say in our state constitution, we had a constitutional crisis with the governor's powers. And as Dr. Kevin Gutzman has said, you could say there's a lot of constitutional crisis going on now throughout the United States. But that's... That's what we had because the 25th Amendment, of course, wasn't ratified till 1967. So before that, we obviously had um, cases where the presidency needed to be filled. And uh, the first would be when William Henry Harrison, Indiana's only president, uh, passed away very shortly after taking office because supposedly it was because he wouldn't wear a coat in his um, inauguration address and it was freezing and he got sick and died, so... He's the best president ever. Now, say it jokingly because he was in office too short to screw anything up. But the Constitution doesn't say what happens when the president dies. So John Tyler, who was the vice president, uh, behaved as a lawfully elected president. He took the oath of office and just, hey, I'm the president now. And his detractors didn't like that. They said, no, he's only the acting president. He's not the real president. But of course... He was the president, and he actually is one of the best presidents we've ever had, just as a side note, um, in terms of just obeying his oath of office and remaining faithful to the Constitution. But that's the problem you get in government when a Constitution or the law is ambiguous. You have people who are, are going to be opportunists and seize that power, and that temptation is always going to be there. That's why the rule of law is so important. But... What Tyler did created a precedent that we've seen since where the vice president, um, just like when Lincoln was assassinated and, and so on, filled that seat, became president when a president passed away. It's not like we just had an election right away to fill the seat. So that created that precedent, but it wasn't necessarily a constitutional, constitutionally mandated action. So until the 25th Amendment was ratified, there were 16 times actually when a vice president seat was open because something happened with the vice president, either resigned, passed away, something like that, or the vice president had moved up to the presidency because the president passed away. You don't have a clear, defined line of succession until 1967 when the 25th Amendment was ratified. And it was ratified just after President Kennedy was assassinated because there was this growing fear from both parties what if Kennedy had survived this wound, but he was he was brain damaged and he was vegetated? Who would be the president? Would it be Mrs. Kennedy? I mean, it sounds far-fetched, but when Wilson, Woodrow Wilson had his stroke, 
um, in his second term of office, his wife pretty much ran the show. I mean, this guy couldn't do much. So it's not that out of the question. And I mean, who knows what more awful things Wilson would have done had he been fully capable. Um, so we get we get the 25th Amendment ratified, and it has those four sections I said at the beginning of the show. So what happens in the case that a president is incapacitated, is unable to fulfill his duties as president of the United States? Well, the vice president and the majority of the cabinet um, have to get on board saying the president is incapacitated. So all it takes, think about this, all it takes is nine human beings to overrule an election of 60 or more millions of Americans. You want to talk about oligarchy. I mean, that nine people can say, yeah, that president you guys elected, uh, we don't think he's capable to fill out his term. So if they, these nine, decide on this, then the president has 21 days to sign a statement saying, hey, I'm capacitated, I'm good to go. Uh, otherwise, he's out. That's it. 21 days, you're out. Now, and as Judge Knapp has said, this is a lawful coup. I mean, this is a way to undo a lawful election. Um, but if, if, if within that 21-day period, the president says, actually, I'm, I am capacitated, I disagree with, these, with the VP and the cabinet, um, then it would go to Congress, and two-thirds majority of both houses would have to vote saying the president is incapacitated. So is that likely in our current state of affairs? No, it's not, but that's, that's having it laid out for you. But it, it does give us a problem, this ambiguity of what is incapacitated. I mean, when this is ratified, we know this is, okay, a president shot in the head has a severe injury. He's a vegetated that's what they mean by that. Not, uh, you know, he's eating ketchup with a steak or he tweets about coffee or, or what have you. I mean, but that's the problem with these words. They're going to get twisted. Um, it, it all becomes relative. And, and you can see what could happen here is, well, he must be incapacitated. Uh, he was five minutes late for a flight. You know, I mean, something like that. So there is no clear definition of incapacity. Um, the only good thing about this check is that two-thirds of both houses, I mean, that's a large majority. So um, that's really how that process works. So we'll give you a little more history. Uh, since the 25th Amendment was ratified, in 1973, uh, when Nixon's Vice President Spiro Agnew resigned, Gerald Ford from my state of Michigan succeeded Agnew as Vice President. Well, then Nixon resigns, so Ford becomes President. So he's the only President to serve as both Vice President and President without being elected to either one. Pretty interesting. So there have been a few times when the VP has been acting president. When Reagan had a colonoscopy, uh, the first Bush was acting president. So in 2002, the second Bush is president. And Dick Cheney becomes acting president when he has a colonoscopy. And then in 07, he has another colonoscopy. And Dick Cheney again becomes acting president. I don't know what it is with these presidents and colonoscopies, but... That's another episode, I guess. So there you have a little info on the history of the 25th Amendment, how there could be a constitutional crisis, especially with the ambiguity. But clearly, if you look at the intent of the amendment, it's severe. It's not just, you know, he's sick or, 
you know, has a mild concussion or, or something like that, it's it's got to be serious. Now you know a little bit more about what the 25th Amendment is, the history behind it, and how it could play out in different scenarios. So don't listen to the fake news and, you know, stupid New York Times commentary. Arm yourself with the truth. That's what we do here on Base Liberty. Hey, it's Friday. Enjoy your weekend. We'll be back on Monday.